Question. What's your record with granted wishes? How's it going on that, uh, in that department? You know, I mean, how many candles have some of you guys blown out, you know, in your days? With the little wish, you know, yeah, blow out the candle, you know, with the wish. Uh, coins in the fountain, all right, did you do that? How about, uh, how many shooting stars have you seen and grant and asked uh, 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 upon a wish? Or uh, where I come from, if you find a penny heads up, you're supposed to pick it up because it brings good luck. Uh, and whatever culture you come from, I'm sure there is some sort of a good charm that some of us, perhaps hopefully in our days without knowing Christ, we would look to to have our wishes met. What if all we wished for was granted? I mean, is that good? Is that bad? Could it be good? Could it be bad? If all our wishes were granted. Now, I don't believe, I don't believe in good luck. Um, I certainly don't believe in coincidence and do not think that I believe in karma. I think the psalmist best put it in, um, in, uh, in, in Psalm 23, right? That first opening phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. But you have to know that the Lord truly is your shepherd. Uh, John Bunyan, uh, English preacher of the 17th century, uh, best known for his writing Pilgrim's Progress. If you have not read The Pilgrim's Progress, you have definitely not read the classic in Christian literature outside of the Bible. So trust it, someday you will do that if you haven't. Uh, John Bunyan said this, You can do more than pray. You can do more than pray. After you have prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Got that one? You can do more than pray after you have prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. A man to whom God grants what he requests. To have God grant us that which we request. Well, that's what we find in uh, this uh, very small passage in First Chronicles. It's in chapter 4. It's right in the middle of chapters 1 and 8, between 1 and 8. It's uh, all about genealogies, genealogies by tribes of uh, the children of Israel. By the way, it's a great place where you can find names, suggest names for your grandchildren, neighbors, friends. They'll love you for some of the suggestions. You'll come up in those lists. Rather, um, <clears throat> rather um, 
interesting chapters. Great nighttime reading, as I always say. You know, genealogies, great nighttime reading, right? Yeah. But there are a few, there are a few uh, gold nuggets in these uh, eight somewhat tedious chapters of so and so begot so and so who begot so and so and the son of so and so and the father of so and so. One of those names is Jabez. Um, Yabetz, that's, uh, it would perhaps, might be pronounced. Uh, let me read that passage back to you. As you're looking at it, I want to sort of read through it slowly and make some interchanges as we read through. It says, verse 9 of First Chronicles chapter 4. It says, Yabetz was more honorable than his brothers, or contemporaries. And his mother named him Yabetz, saying, Because I bore him with pain or sorrow. Now Yabetz called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that is, keep evil afar off, that it may not pain or sorrow me. And God granted him what he requested. God granted him what he requested. The name uh, Yabetz, or Jabez, as we see it there, uh, it's from a root word which means sorrow or pain. Some of your translations put pain. Pain, sorrow. In verse 10, the mother gives a wee bit of a testimony as to why they called him uh, Yabetz. It's uh, because I bore him with pain or sorrow. Now, uh, the word sorrow or pain that she uses, it's upset and it's the same root word. They both come from the same root word. So there's a play on words here in three of them. There are three words along this very short passage that must be looked at. The name, the word pain, and at the bottom of verse 10, near to the end, where he says, you have kept me from harm, that it may not pain. And again, he uses another form of that same root word, uh, in this occasion, is hatsab. But the point is this, he's playing the author's playing with the name and two words that mean pain or sorrow. Okay? Now let's look through that. Um, the, 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 the mother says, because I bore him with sorrow. I named him sorrow because I bore him with sorrow. I named him pain because I bore him with pain. And the idea is that uh, uh, unknowing to us what the pain or the sorrow might be, maybe... He was born fatherless, you know, lots of wars, lots of conflicts, and uh, might not have been very unusual for uh, someone to be born uh, fatherless because uh, dad having died in battle. Or um, uh, maybe he had a very irresponsible father. Maybe he was the product of a rape. 
physical hardship. We don't know why she chooses to call him sorrow. But we know this, that God wants all to identify with the characters of the Bible. So he just simply says she was born in sorrow. She says, uh, what, what could it be that causes us to identify with his pain? How could we fill in the blank? What makes you feel perhaps unprivileged? Um, disadvantage, ordinary. I know how he finished his life. It says that uh, God granted all that he requested. We don't know his beginning. Why? We don't know his life, how it started. But we know that his life became a contradiction to his name. He did not finish how he started. As the author of Chronicles is writing name after name after name after name, and he's going through the tribes of Israel, he comes to Judah and he begins to go through the names of the tribes and he comes to a point where he has to put down Jabez. And he must remember something. He must have remembered, oh yeah, remember Jabez? Oh, he was an honorable man. And instead of just simply saying, and Jabez begot so and so, he stops and gives us a glance into a man's life. And he summarizes it very quickly to say, that he was a man whom God heard his wishes and granted his prayers. He had a good ending. His ending was different from his beginning. It says, more honorable than his brothers or his contemporary, his, his tribesmen, the people around him. More honorable than his contemporaries. He had a noble legacy. There was a noble ending to his life. I always have said and repeat again, it matters not how we start. It only matters how we finish. So, there's a Spanish saying that says, don't smudge with your elbow what you're writing with your hand. What you write with your hand, don't smudge with your elbow. Now, what we do and how we begin will only be in the light of how we finish. But let's make sure we finish strong in God. And God granted him what he requested. Would you uh, agree with me that would be a good epilogue? Would you put that on your stone? And God granted him all that he wished. God granted him everything he requested. What would that say about you? You know, it would say that you had a close relationship with God. It would say that you and God, as we would say back in my neighborhood, you tight. You and God are tight, you know. You're right there. He hears you, you hear him. He talks to you, you talk to him. It would say that uh, God uh, 
took notice of you. Took notice of your life. Took notice of your love for him. Took notice of how you uh, uh, promoted his name and his word. And uh, he then granted you all that you requested. He stayed in communication with God. You might say that uh, he caught God's attention throughout his life. And by the way, he caught the attention of his contemporaries. You see, uh, there was a city named after uh, Jabez. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 5, we find out there's a city named Jabez. Now, what did the word Jabez mean? Sorrow. Pain. Now, folks, would you name a city sorrow? Would you name a city pain? No, you wouldn't. Unless that name now was acquainted with an honorable man who had an awesome testimony, who had the ear of God, the attention of God. He was a towering figure among his brethren. We don't see all of that, but just you just have to stop for a moment and say, why did the author, in the midst of all these names, simply stop to give us a glance? Why was his name, uh, why did it spark a thought? Now, so what changed the life of this fellow, Jabez? What He's nowhere mentioned in the Bible again. We really know nothing of him except those two verses. And what we, can, uh, what we can conclude as a result of what those verses say, perhaps the name of the city, locations, tribes, where he's come from. There's a, lot, a little bit's been written, not an awful lot. What changed his life? Perhaps started his life uh, very much in a, in, um, in a point of... Um, Maybe he, was, uh, he came from a very discouraged background or, or something, disadvantaged apparently. Uh, but what changed it? Five turning points in the life of Jabez. Let's look at the first one. It's in verse 10. It says, he prayed to the true God. He prayed... To the God of Israel. There are no other gods. There is the first commandment. God reminds us that there is no other God. He does not have other names. He presents himself to Moses as the I Am. When Moses said, well, who, who do I go tell the people sent me? Yahweh, I am, that I am. His full revelation comes to us in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I want to remind us a few ver- passages in the New Testament where, it's, where perhaps John says that the Word was in the beginning, it was with God, it was God. Then there is the passage in Hebrews where the author says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of His nature. In 1 John, the author says, The eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Jesus himself said the following, Unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. He that has seen me has seen the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. And would you remind yourself of Thomas when he saw Jesus after the resurrection and he said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus accepted that and did not, did not rebuke him for it. So, our first task is to be sure to pray to the true God. To the one and only God who created the heavens and the earth. The only God that is able to intervene into your life and to truly invest Himself in you. When we say He prayed to God, we talk about a relationship, not just a belief. We talk about a, an ongoing communication, not just a traditional prayer book. It talks about a man who knew his God. He had the right God's attention. The only God. Number two, he prayed then for God's blessing. Not only did he pray to the God of Israel, but he prayed and he asked God to bless him. He wanted God's blessing upon his life. The impartation of the super natural favor of God. God, bless me. When you ask God to bless you, you're asking God to supernaturally impart His favor upon your life. You're asking God to intervene into your life in a very powerful, real, tangible way. The blessing of God, one of the authors was saying, is the greatest wealth we can have. It is what marks the true difference between a believer and an unbeliever. To have the blessing of God upon their lives. It is what makes the difference. Let me read to you a proverb. Um, It's Proverbs 10.22, but I'll read it to you. Listen to what it says. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow. wonder, well, no, actually, it could have been that that proverb had been known. When Jabez said, Bless me. Bless me, even me, Lord. 
And I wonder if he would finish by saying, and add no sorrow. A man whose name was Sorrow. Bless me. That makes it personal. Now, I want to say that because sometimes in our, what would we say, pious humility, in our false humility, we would think or say, oh, no, 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 no. God, bless everybody else. I, I shall not pray that God would bless me because that's, and I shouldn't be doing that. I should pray that God bless the little children of the world, the missionaries of the world, you know, the sick of the world, the, the poor of the world, the blondes of the world. But, you know, everybody in the world, but don't bless me because that's just not right. I shouldn't be asking God to bless me. Yeah, Jabez said, bless me. He wanted the blessing for himself. And I am sure he wanted the blessing for others. But he put his name on that list too. You know, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you asking God to bless you. He wants to. So ask him to do so. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Oh, that you would bless me. Number three. He prayed for increased influence. You know, that idea of enlarge my borders, it's a great... I did did two messages just on that alone. On the idea of enlarging my borders. And as I was thinking about what's ahead of us, I mean, I am thinking the long haul going before us, folks. I thought, Lord, enlarge our borders. Influence, increase our level of influence. As we mature in Christ, we stop asking God for just mere material things. Oh, so we need to sometimes, and we find ourselves having to. But we graduate our prayers above just the things. We ask God to influence our life around others. That's kind of like what we're trying to focus on here with this building. You know, it's not about the building, folks. No church should be about its building. No group of believers should be about its building. It's about God allow us to influence into the lives of people. Enlarge our borders. Allow us to have a greater circle of influence so that we can affect other people. We begin to pray for the kingdom of heaven. Not just for what we need, not just for what we want. But we realize there is a greater purpose. The kingdom of heaven. So we want to have influence, influence among our family, among our friends, among our colleagues, a greater circle of influence with our acquaintances, our co-workers, our neighbors, whoever it is you spend time with. Are you influencing them? Are you asking God to help you influence in their lives? 
Are you broadening your ten pegs? So, it was a man who thought not only of himself. He didn't just ask to be blessed. He said, God, help me to reach out. He prayed for the presence of God and for power. He prayed for the presence of God and for power. That your hand might be with me. That your hand might be with me. Now, you know, there, there, there is no such physical thing as the hand of God. There is no eyes of God or ears of God or the arm of God. Though in the Bible you find it. There are what are called anthropomorphisms. To help us understand and explain and communicate and, and, and speak to God and ask from God. Our effectiveness, effectiveness lies in the power of God. Remember Acts chapter 1. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses. Some better witnesses, some not as good a witnesses. But you've got no choice in being a witness if you are a child of God. Our effectiveness lies not in ourselves, but in the power of God. And He asks for the presence of God, for the power, that your hand might be with me. Dependency. In the presence and in the power of God. You know, God makes heroes out of ordinary people. Go back and study, look into the lives of some of the great heroes of the faith. Some of the men and women in the 20th century, the 19th century, the 18th. Pick a century and see who they became. And then look who they started out to be. Augustine was a drunk. You wouldn't think of that now, right? Father, one of the fathers of the church, one of the most brilliant minds in the Christian world. Uh, every denominational group wants to call him their father because, you know, everybody wants him. And so it is with just about everyone that names the name of God. God uses ordinary people. And even underprivileged people. Like Jabat. He was an underprivileged child. Yet God granted him everything that he prayed for. He came to that kind of a relationship with his God. Folks, does that create curiosity in you? Or does it not? Because I would certainly want God to grant all that I ask for. Now there is a psalm that says, Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Now most people just kind of stop at the back of that verse. 
He will give you all the desires of your heart. Oh yeah, he's going to give you all the desires of my heart. And we sort of just quickly read the beginning of the verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. Call upon the God of Israel. Ask him. Ask that God to bless you. Ask that God to be your presence. Ask that God to increase your influence. Delight yourself in him. And you know what? The idea is this. As you get closer to God, your wishes will change. Your order of priorities will change. And you'll start asking not what you want, but you'll really understand what's important in regards to eternity. And you know, when you ask your father for something that he knows will be good for you, will he withhold any good thing? No. No, he won't. Pray for the presence and the power of God. And number five, and the last thing, is he prayed to stay the course. He prayed to stay that course. You know, life is not a 100-yard dash. And most of you are more than aware of that. Especially when you're young, you know, you, you sort of exhort all the energy, thinking, you know, this is, this is going to be quick. Life doesn't seem that very long. And, and you think you'll have the energy to get all the way to the end. It's a marathon. So you pace yourself. And you put your hands to the plow and you stay the course. And that's what Jabez did. Listen to what he says. That you would keep me from harm. Now, uh, some of the translations put harm, uh, put uh, pain. uh, And uh, the word can be more easily understood and has been translated on many occasions as evil. And the idea is that, that you would keep me, or that you would keep evil far from me. Keep evil far from me. And then he says, that it may not uh, pain me, that it may not cause me pain in some of the trans- sorrow. Do you know what he's saying? Remember, his name is Sorrow. Do you know what he's saying? I don't want to go back. When we do baptisms, I don't know, it's just a tradition. Now me, who always says I hate traditions, always have a few under my sleeve. I love to sing, when we do baptisms, I love to sing that little chorus that says, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You stay the course. And you say, God, that you would keep me from harm, that you would keep evil far from me, that it may not pain me, that it may not cause me sorrow. I don't want to go back to that state of sorrowness. I want to stay at the point where I have your attention. Where I'm, I know you're hearing my prayers. I see you're answering my prayers. We are, we, we're, we're working together. You are allowing me to be a part of you.
protection from God, from evil. Stick-to-itiveness to stay the course, no matter what life throws at us. There is a harm from without. What is the harm from without? Well, um, we, we prayed it this morning, right? Deliver us from evil. It's, 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 in, it's in the Lord's prayer to us. Deliver. Do you know that it doesn't really say deliver us from evil? I think you guys know that. Deliver us from the evil one. To not yield to evil, which produces harm, which creates pain, which brings sorrow. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. See, you got to stay the course. That's why it really doesn't matter how we start. As long as you start, God will bring Himself into your life. He'll reveal Himself to you. He'll show you who He is. He'll do wonders in your life. But you know what? Stay the course. Finish strong. God, keep evil from me. Far from me. I don't want to um, uh, create pain to you. I don't want to grieve your spirit. I don't want our relationship to be uh, uh, seared. Yesterday, in one of our classes down in Murcia at the seminary, uh, we were talking on the Holy Spirit and the idea of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how it was not in the Old Testament, it is in the New Testament or in the church. And I was trying to explain it to the guys down there. And, you know, the idea is, God, the psalmist, remember Psalm 51, Psalm David, uh, David in Psalm 51, she says, Take not thy spirit from me. Now, do you know that you don't have to worry about that now? Well, God won't take his spirit from you. Not if he gave it to you. Not if he sealed you with it. He won't take it away from you. But then, if God won't take it away from you, why you feel so rotten sometimes when you disobey Him? Or when you let evil into your life, when you sin, when you allow things into your life that aren't from God? Why do you feel bad then? Is it that the Spirit of God went away? And the answer is no. Sin has created a wall between you and God. Stay the course. Stay the course. That you would keep me from evil, that it may not cost me sorrow. I don't want to go back. I really think this passage has a lot to do with those three little words. A man named Sorrow, who was born in sorrow, and at the end says, God, I don't ever want to go back to that sorrow. I enjoyed so much walking with you. I've enjoyed so much getting to know you. I've enjoyed so much seeking to be holy like you. Don't ever let me go back. He wants to secure the blessing 
by keeping out of harm's way. Well, God granted him his request. That uh, latter part of the verse says, God granted him his request, and he left a great heritage. Not too often cities get named after men because there were giants among God. Well, I know there's things that are before us as a church. We're, we're, we're entering a new phase. Uh, much is, of our energy is going to be uh, centered for the next couple of years on the building, on, uh, on using it, preparing it, getting things to, to sort of start to aim somewhere. And I am asking you first... I am asking you long before I'll ask you anything else. We haven't asked anything of you yet. But there's a reason. I want to make sure you understand this. We can do more than pray. And we'll start asking for more than prayer. But we cannot do more than pray until we have prayed. I'm asking you to ask God to bless us. I'm asking you to ask God to increase our influence. I'm asking you to ask God to be our presence, be our power. And I am asking you to stay the course. We can do more than pray after we have prayed.